One of the things we've been talking about with the parables, I hope you've gotten this. One of the things is this. When you look at a parable, which are these little kind of stories that Jesus told in order to get a truth and a point across, is that you can't just look at that one story out of context. You have to look at, you have to kind of zoom out and look at the context of that parable. You have to look at the literary context and some of the historical context as well. So this is the last parable we're looking at in the Gospel of Luke. We've actually gone through all of them. Uh, so I'm going to give you a little reminder on how you can remember that you need to zoom out when you're looking at the parables. So I want you to take a look at this video. It is something that's really close, and the first person that guesses what it is, I have a prize for. Uh, what do you think this is? Just shout it out. Who said avocado? Avocado. There you go. All right. $5 to Dunkin' Donuts. There you go. Amount Hill. Uh, all right. Next one. Here we go. What's this one? Did I hear bubble? I heard bubble. Oh, here we go. Wow. Bubble. There we go. What? Marble. Who said bubble? Anyone get bubble? Oh, Johnny got bubble. You said marble too? Nobody got bubble? All right. I'm going to give you a card anyway. All right. There you go. All right. Let's give it a try. Here we go. The next one's even more specific. I need two I need two words for this one. I need two words. What did you say? Cat and bread? I heard cat and bread. There you go. I don't know how you knew that was cat and bread, but that is cat in bread. There you go. All right, last one. I heard dog. Who said dog? I heard dog. You knew I had a cat. You knew it had to be a dog. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right. Thanks for playing. All right. <laughs> All right. What was the lesson? You don't remember. All right. Sometimes you got to zoom out. You have to zoom out. If you're going to understand the parables of Jesus, you got to zoom out uh, to, uh, to gain understanding. And so that's true in the parables we've looked at to this point. It's going to be true in the one we're going to look at this morning. All right. And we're looking at Luke chapter 21. So if you get your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 21. And I do encourage you to turn there in your Bible because you do need to zoom out. And I'm going to zoom out a little without reading uh, all of the context, but I want you to see it before you. So if you don't have a Bible with you, you can turn in your chair rack Bible. There's one either behind you, under you, near you. There's a chair rack Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 21. It will be on page 880 of your chair rack Bible. And we're going to jump in there in a moment. I want you to be able to see that context. When I was about 11 years old, we went to Disney World for the first time, 
and uh, which was fun. Uh, except I'm not a roller coaster person, so I avoided all of those, at least I thought I did, uh, until I got on the Pirates of the Caribbean. Anyone ridden the Pirates of the Caribbean? This is a wonderful, relaxing water ride um, until you get to almost the very end where it gets dark and goes straight down a drop. And uh, I did, I wish someone had told me that that's the way the ride went. I probably wouldn't have got on. But we all have places in life where I think we wish people would have told us what was coming, right? We all have at times faced something where we said, oh, I wish someone had told me it was going to be like that. Or I wish someone had told me that I was going to face that. Or I wish someone had told me that I was going to encounter that. Maybe, you know, you, you got married and you said, I wish someone had told me how hard it was going to be. Or maybe you said, I wish someone had told me how great it was going to be. I would have done it earlier, right? And the same thing with kids, right? You wish someone would have told you what it would be like, maybe. A good leader is going to prepare people for what's coming down the road. A good parent is going to be preparing children for what's coming. Maybe you're a parent and you've got kids going to school for the first time, and you're trying to explain to them and prepare for them what's going to go on. Now, listen, honey, you're going to have to... You're going to go, and they're going to be in a room, and you're going to have to sit at a desk and be quiet for like a long period of time. And you're preparing your little kid to go to school because you're a good leader. Or maybe you're, you're preparing a college student. We got, we got a senior in high school, believe it or not, this year. Maybe you're preparing a college student to, to, to go off to what's next, and you're saying, now listen, you're going to have to sit in a desk and be quiet for long periods of time. You know, you're trying to prepare. A good leader is always preparing people for what is coming. If you're maybe in the military, you know, the, spirit, the, the commanding officer is preparing soldiers. Hey, look, here's what you're going to face. Here's what's going to come. We don't want you to be surprised by it. We don't want you to be thrown off by it. We want you to know what you might encounter. Why? Because if you are surprised by something, if you are caught off guard by something, if you don't expect it to happen, if you don't know that it's coming, then you don't know what to do with it. You don't know what it means when it comes, and you don't know what to do with that event. It can be very disequilibriating when something happens that you don't expect, that you don't see coming. And so a good leader is always going to be preparing his followers, always going to be preparing her followers for what is coming next. Jesus is a good leader. And when you come to Luke chapter 21, he is preparing his followers for what is going to come next in the short term and in the long term. In Luke chapter 21, if you're looking at it in your Bible, I want you to look at the section titles that it has. Luke chapter 21 has these section titles. It says at the verse, just before verse 5, in the, I'm looking at the English Standard Version. It says, Jesus foretells the destruction of the temple. Next section, Jesus foretells wars and persecution. Next one, Jesus foretells destruction of Jerusalem. And the next section is titled, The Coming of the Son of Man. All future events... All things that are going to happen down the road, all things that Jesus is saying, look, 
He's basically saying, I'm not going to be with you in the same way in a little while, and I want you to be ready for some of the things that are going to happen. I don't want you to be surprised by them. I don't want them to throw you off. I don't want them to discourage you. I want you to stay the course. So I'm going to tell you about some of the things that you can expect to happen. Now, here's what sometimes happens with Christians, and let me talk to the Christians for a minute, those of you that have been following Jesus for a while, those of you that consider yourselves a Jesus follower, here's what we sometimes do with a chapter like Luke chapter 21. We sometimes like to go down all of our kind of theological rabbit trails of saying, oh, what does this mean? When is Jesus going to come again? Let me try and figure it out. Maybe you haven't done that, but certainly Christians throughout the centuries have done exactly that. They come to a chapter like Luke chapter 21, and they say, oh, this means this, this means this, this means this, and here's 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988, which was a literal book that was written. Second edition, 89 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 89. Uh, we, We sometimes do this with these things. But I don't think at all that's what Jesus intended for us to do with his words. I think it had much less to do with trying to figure out when in all this and much more to do with the why. And the why is there's some things coming down the road that I want you to be prepared for, that I don't want you to be surprised by, that I want you to be ready for. You need to be able to interpret the things that you're going to see. They're going to be signs. In other words, they're going to be things that are going to point you to the fact of what's coming. And you need to see that and stay the course. And so he tells this parable, following all those sections, in Luke chapter 21, verse 29, this is what it says. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree. And all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away. Lord, we ask for grace and help as we come into your word today. Lord, there are things here that may be easy for us to understand, but certainly things that are difficult. Lord, there are things here that may be easy for us to hear and others that will challenge us. Lord, I ask that you keep us focused on the things that point to Jesus. Help our minds and our hearts to stay on you in these next few moments together. Uh, Lord, help us to uh, listen and hear and obey your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. When you see a sign, you need to know how to interpret it. Jesus says, look, when you see a tree, fig tree, and it starts having leaves, you know what it means. It means summer's coming. You know how to interpret that, and you know what to do. I mean, if you were uh, walking through in, in March, you know, down the road or driving down the road, and you saw daffodils popping up out of, the, uh, out of the ground, right, you know what that means. 
You don't have to look at your app. You don't have to watch the meteorologist on TV. You know what it means. Oh, spring's coming. Winter is almost over. You know what it means and you know what to do. I mean, you're, I don't think we have many farmers in here. You, maybe you don't have to do anything like that. But you're like, well, I got to get my short sleeve shirts out, to check the filter in the air conditioner. You know, all these things that you think spring's coming, summer's coming, winter's almost over, you can interpret that. In the same way, Jesus says, when you see these things taking place, there's a meaning to it. There's something you can understand of what it means and then know what to do. But here's the question. What are these things? What are these things that Jesus is talking about? Well, all we got to do is zoom out. Right? We have to zoom out and we have to look and say, what is the context? All those things I just ran through, all those section titles, these things are coming. The destruction of the temple. You're going to be persecuted. Wars. Destruction of Jerusalem. And eventually the coming of Jesus himself. When you see these things taking place... It means, he says, that the kingdom of God is near. These things. One of the things about these things that's uh, probably, if I had to categorize them all, is they all involve pain and difficulty. Other than the last one of Jesus' coming. But they all, pain. Jesus is saying, look, pain and difficulty are going to come your way. Here's what you need to know, Jesus is saying. You're going to experience... Some difficulty, some challenges, some pain in your life. If somebody told you that if you follow Jesus, it's all roses and rainbows and unicorns and everything's going to be great and your life's going to be easy, they lied to you. Because Jesus says, here's what's coming down the road. The temple's going to be destroyed. And why would, he, why, would, why would he talk about that? Because if you back up to verse 5 of chapter 21, here's how, here's how this whole section begins. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, and then he goes into all these things that are going to happen. So in other words, they're walking through Jerusalem, and the most beautiful building any of them will ever see in their lifetime, the biggest structure perhaps some of them will ever see in their lifetime. These enormous stones, I mean, they dwarf anything that they might see in their village. It's like you walking through downtown Boston or New York City and looking at these enormous buildings and thinking nothing will ever shake them or move them. And perhaps before 9-11, many of us thought that. How could this ever, how could anything ever move buildings of this size? And perhaps they were feeling rather confident in this will always be here. But Jesus knows what's coming. Not only does he know that the cross is coming very soon, but he also knows there's a time coming when Jerusalem, as they know it, is going to be destroyed. In fact, he's talking to his disciples in this passage about A.D. 27. In A.D. 70, Rome will come in and completely sack Jerusalem. In fact, one historian, as he describes what happened in AD 70, here's how it's described. The Roman legions 
surrounded the city and began to slowly squeeze the life out of the Jewish stronghold. By the year 70, the attackers had breached Jerusalem's outer walls and began a systematic ransacking of the city. The assault culminated in the burning and destruction of the temple that served as the center of Judaism. In victory, the Romans slaughtered thousands. Of those spared from death, thousands more were enslaved and sent to toil in the mines of Egypt. Others were dispersed to arenas throughout the empire to be butchered for the amusement of the public. The temple's sacred relics were taken to Rome, where they were displayed in celebration and in victory. So Jesus is saying, this temple that you see, don't be surprised, it's going to be gone. Don't be surprised, it's going to be destroyed. That there is a time and a day coming where difficulty like you have never known is going to take place. And I want you to be ready for it. He's a good leader. He's preparing his followers for what's coming. He's letting them know that pain and difficulty is going to come their way. He said, but I want you to know that that's a sign. And what is it a sign of? It's a sign, he says, if you look at uh, the passage again, he says, when you see these things taking place, here's what it's a sign of. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. Or I might say it this way also, the kingdom of God is nearer. <laughs> You're getting closer to the kingdom of God coming in a way that it's never come before. That these things are going to happen. They have to happen before the kingdom comes in its fullness. And so he's warning them. He's saying, these things are going to happen. It's going to be difficult. And it's a sign for you. But it's not a sign to run. It's not a sign to, to, to give up. It's actually a sign that God is near. It's actually, and, and, and to our thinking, that might seem strange. But these are the words of Jesus to us. Don't be surprised when difficulty comes into your life. Because it's a sign that the kingdom of God is near. And then so that's, that's, what it, uh, that's, that's what it means. But what are we supposed to do? Well, Jesus continues. What are we supposed to do? He continues in this passage just after this, verse 34. He says, but watch for yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness in the cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So Jesus says, look, it's coming, but don't get discouraged. He says, his words are, don't fall into dissipation and get drunk. <laughs> I love the realness of Jesus right here. Because that's what we can be tempted to do, right? Oh, this world is falling apart. Everything's going wrong. There's nothing, I mean, there's disease, there's famine, there's, you know, my own personal hurt and pain. Forget it. Let's just drink. Let's just ignore it. Let's just, you know, numb ourselves to the pain. Jesus says, no, 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 no. 
That's not the response. That's not the response. Don't get discouraged. These things are coming. So don't give up. Don't be surprised by them. Don't get thrown off by them. Instead, pray for endurance. Instead, stay awake and stay faithful to the things God has called you to. He says that all these things need to take place. Let me, let me uh, put one before I, I'm going to move to where we're going to kind of close and, and, and wrap up. But I, I want to put one parenthetical um, statement or, or, or part of this message in here. Because there is a part of this passage that I don't want you to think I'm jumping over and ignoring um, that's very difficult to understand. There's one part of this passage. Jesus says these words. He says, all these things will happen before this generation passes away, Right? In fact, let's get the exact wording of it. He says, truly I say to you, this is verse 32, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. To be uh, completely honest with you, this is an extremely difficult passage of the New Testament to understand. In fact, probably the most difficult passage in Luke, one of the most uh, difficult passages in the New Testament to understand exactly what's going on here um, in the text. Scholars disagree over it. There's, I read probably as many as six different explanations of this sentence uh, in different commentaries, different Christian commentaries. Good Christians disagree over exactly what this statement might mean. Um, and there are, there are different theories on what is Jesus saying here. You could approach it and say, well, Jesus was wrong. All these things didn't take place in that generation. Or you could approach it and say, well, all these things did take place in this generation. And some of them did. But the big one, we know Jesus didn't come back yet. That hasn't taken place yet. So the third explanation is some of them have taken place and some of them are still yet to take place. Certainly the destruction of Jerusalem took place. The destruction of the temple took place. Persecution of believers took place. Wars have gone on. But there's still some cosmic events that are talked about there that will happen in the earth and the heavens that don't seem to have yet come about. And certainly the big one is Jesus has not yet returned. So it seems the most logical thing is Jesus is saying some of these things will take place immediately and some will happen later. Well, then how do we interpret the word generation? Uh, one commentator, as I said, there's different explanations of this. Perhaps the, the, the best one, the one, most convincing one that, that I heard was that the word generation can also help us uh, mean a, the group of people. Uh, it's, it's categorizing. So let me get the words the commentator had said. Uh, he said this, Elsewhere in Luke, this expression is used to describe sinful humanity's response to God and oblivious to the possibility of immediately encountering him. Generation, then, in this sense, this group of people means a group of people uh, that stands in continuity and solidarity with this generation of Jesus' day. In other words, there will always be people that stand against the cause of Christ. That there will always be a generation or a group of people that stand against, that persecute, that don't follow, that don't believe, that are bringing about um, you know, persecution in the lives of Christians. 
That's one interpretation. Maybe you buy it. Maybe you don't. Uh, there are others. Um, some commentators think, well, generation means the last generation. That all these things will take place in one final generation. The problem with that is Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD, so that one doesn't seem to quite fit either. These are difficult things. There are places in Scripture that I will tell you that I don't 100% understand. And I am okay with that. And I hope that you're okay with that because there are things that God understands that I think he makes clear when we need to understand them. I like what Pallister, Alistair Begg says. He says it in relation to this passage and others. He says, the main things are the plain things and the plain things are the main things. Meaning that there are things in Scripture that I would love to have the answer to, but I don't necessarily need to have the answer to. But the things that are most important, that are critical to faith and salvation and following God, are clear and plain. I don't have the mind of God. There are certain things that I one day believe I will have the answer to that I do not. And I will let those, rather than kind of taking a lawnmower and mowing them all down and making everything clean and even, sometimes you got to let a blade of grass stand up. Just say, I'm not quite sure yet what that one means. I'll do more study. I'll do more exploring. I'll pray and ask the Lord. But there are some things that are in the scriptures that I'll say, I'm not quite sure. Completely, I can't say for 100% that I know exactly what is meant by that expression. And this is one of those places in Scripture. And as we were, Pastor Brian and I especially, were studying it this week, we really felt, let's just be honest. This is a passage that's hard to understand. I could stand up here and preach to you and say, this is what it means. And knowing that I do not completely, um, you know, believe myself in that yet. Uh, I'd rather stand up here and say, there's some hard paths to scripture, some things I don't yet uh, fully understand, and I trust that God will make them clear if we need to know them. So I, I put that in there because I think there are some good ways, that, uh, good possibilities that do exist, but uh, I'm not sure there's 100% one that does uh, fulfill that meaning. So I'm going to close that parenthesis, and I want to come back to finally closing out this message with this. Here's the thing. Pain and difficulty will come. Jesus says it means God is near. And he says, pray and endure till the end. When pain and difficulty, and I'll ask our worship team to make their way back. When pain and difficulty come into your life or my life, you have a decision to make. You have to decide what it means. And then you have to decide what you're going to do. Some people will decide what it means is God doesn't exist. And if he does... He doesn't care because he's not doing what I think he should be doing. Because if he let this happen, then he must not exist or he must not care. And pain and difficulty at times will cause some people to run away from God instead of running towards him. But the truth is, I, I think what Jesus is saying here is, no, these things are going to happen and it means God is near. Because maybe there's another explanation than your explanation. Maybe there's pain and difficulty because there's a God of love who allowed humans to have the freedom to choose the things that they would have to do in this life. Maybe there's pain and difficulty because humans are capable of an amazing amount 
of love and an amazing amount of hate. And there's a God who gave them that choice. Maybe that there's pain and difficulty because we live in a world that's tainted by sin. And there is no part of our world that is not touched by it. There's no part of ourselves or our bodies or our DNA or or the, the natural world itself that is not touched by the brokenness that sin has caused. Maybe that we experience pain and difficulty right now as a reminder that we need God. That there are things we don't have answers to. There are things we don't have vaccines for. There are things we don't have a solution for, that we don't have an antidote to, that we don't have a medication or a prescription for. There are things we can't solve, and it's a reminder that I need God. That I need God. Whenever somebody comes to me and asks for prayer for their um, loved one that doesn't know the Lord, my prayer is almost always the same, at least part of it. And that's, Lord, let this be something that causes them to run towards you and not away from you. Because it can always have either effect. Not just on unbelievers. I've seen it on people who have sat in church for years. Something comes into their life that they don't like, a loss, sickness, and it causes them to run away from God instead of run towards him. I've seen the exact opposite take place where something comes into someone's life that's a shock, that's a tragedy that any one of us would say no one should have to live through that and it causes them to run into the arms of God like they never have before. What Jesus is saying is this passage is don't be surprised. These things are going to come. But don't be fooled either. It doesn't mean God is far doesn't mean God has abandoned you. In fact, it may mean that the kingdom of God is closer than you have ever known before. Pray that you may endure. Pray that you may endure and that you may trust God even more. Let's pray. Lord, these are hard and difficult passages, and yet there is some clear and easy teaching for us to understand here. Lord, you are clear that there are difficult things that are coming and that will come our way. You did not shy away from that. You did not keep that to yourself. And yet, Lord, when we face these things, Lord, it's difficult. We are tempted to blame you instead of run to you. Lord, I pray for the man or the woman in this room who had something come into their life this week unexpectedly and yet maybe causing a lot of difficulty. Lord, I ask, God, that you would help them to endure, that you would, Lord, cause it to be something that would cause them to run towards you, to recognize your sufficiency and your grace and your love and your presence and your provision and your peace in their life. Lord, we are really good at trying to make and figure things out, but we are really poor at having the right answers sometimes. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us not to put ourselves in the place where you belong, on the throne of giving and interpreting 
these things that we try and read around us. To through all the things that might come our way, to be able to say, God, you're worthy. God, you're worthy. God, you're on the throne. God, you're in control. God, I will trust you even when I don't understand, even when I don't think I have the strength, even when, I, even when it's difficult, even when it's painful, I will trust you because you are good. Because you have done for me what no one could do. You have extended salvation through Jesus Christ. You have died for me. You have loved me like no one else has. And so we will trust you. Teach us to do that in a greater way. So that when we see the signs, that just like a flowering tree means that spring is coming, that we would know. We would look at the things in our lives and know that it means God is near. God is perhaps closer than he's ever been to us. Help us to understand and embrace this truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing about the God who is worthy of it all.